Yo, this is Pastor Tito here. Welcome to another episode of my revolutionary podcast where I'm here to help you find faith in Christ and how to follow through with your life. And today is one of those deep dives again that I am just kind of doing a part two of a series or a sermon that I just previously preached, kind of giving a little bit more details, sharing some things that were on my heart that just didn't fit the moment or things that I've been considering ever since I last preached that message. And so this this deep dive is connected to a series or to the most well, connected to the series that I'm doing called I'll do it tomorrow finding the power to change but today's sermon is on week 3 as we focused on developing the certain kind of daily habits and we talked about how, man, if you want to see big things in your life, you got to be willing to do the small things, right? Big things are always accomplished by doing the little things. And that's super important. So that's what we're going to tackle today. And really the big theme of today was rooted in, where's my Bible? I had it. There it is. It was in rooted in first Timothy chapter four, where in this section as Paul, pretty much Timothy's mentor, Timothy's coach, his uh, kind of de facto uh, father in the faith. He is writing to Timothy with a task that he has to do. And not only is this task both uh, something that he has to do inside of the church, it is something that he needs to do personally himself. And the reason why he has to do this, well, Timothy lets, well, Paul tells Timothy at uh, chapter four, verse six, why you got to do it. All right. It is a good thing. You are a good servant, a good follower of Jesus. And I said a minute ago, right, my biggest goal for me personally is to not just find faith in Christ and help you better understand what does it mean uh, to believe in Jesus and to know Jesus and to receive the life that only he can give. But then it's to learn to follow through because Christians are called to be Jesus followers. That's what Jesus asked us, right? Every time he looked at one of his disciples, he said, hey, first, follow me, right? He didn't tell them to believe at the very beginning. He just said, will not you come over here for a second? Follow me, all right? Follow me and see for yourself who I am. That's a really interesting thing. Just when you think about that alone, Jesus himself could have just walked up to any of those, the, the 12 apostles, right? At, out the gate and said, uh, repent because you're going to die in your sins and you need to believe that I am the son of God. He could have just told them out front, believe, but he never did. Why? Because he invited them on a journey. He says, follow me and see for yourself. And guys, there's a truth to that for us. I want you to know that following Jesus isn't just accepting him once as your Lord and Savior. That's not just a one-time thing that you're supposed to do. That's an all-the-time thing. We are supposed to continually do this. And the more we follow Jesus, the more we look into his word, the more we look and examine who he is, what he has done, that's the goal is for, him, for us to see for ourselves that he is the real deal. He is a real deal. And as Christians, guys, I want to encourage you. If you just if you walk down the aisle one day and you raise your hand at a, at a service or something, you said, I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. If you did that, awesome. Okay, congratulations. You have literally done the most important thing you can do in your life. That's the most important decision you can make right there. But I want you to know that that decision needs to be followed up with another one and another one and another one. Not so that you can be saved. And that's the key thing. That's why and Paul wanted to make sure he's breaking this down because, see, there were leaders and, and pastors and, and some elders in this church in Ephesus 
that were telling people, believe in Jesus and behave in this way if you want to be saved. Believe and behave if you want to be saved. Believe and behave if you want to be saved. No, that's not the rhythm. That's not the song we're supposed to sing at all. Because see, none of us, none of us can behave well enough. None of us are good enough. No one is. And Paul is consistent with that. And Jesus is consistent with that. All have fallen short. Jesus came to seek and save the lost, which is all of us. All of us. But... See, there is a little truth to that, but see, that that song got remixed. It's not believe and behave so that you can be saved. No, it's be saved by believing and then he'll behave. That's kind of it. Our behavior is a response to what Jesus has done. We don't behave in order to be saved. No, because we are saved. Our behavior tends to change. And that's the key thing. But that doesn't happen on accident. That doesn't happen on accident, guys. It is, you got to keep showing up. It's like, let's say you go one day and you have the most, the cleanest meal in your life. Let's say you got a high cholesterol and you have the best, I mean, perfect meal that balances you all out. I mean, perfect. Well, great. Keep eating like that then if you want to see the benefits. Let's say you go and you have the most epic workout session of your life. I mean, the pump is so precious. All right. Top. Perfect. Awesome. Keep showing up if you want to see them kind of gains. You just can't do it once and you're done. It's not one and done like that. No, you got to keep showing up. Listen, it's the same with God. How many of us have had these mountaintop moments with Jesus? And then you go back in the valley and then you just kind of do what you do. No, like, listen, the God of the mountaintop is the God of the valley and everything in between what we learn on the mountaintop. We have to bring it down to with us into the valley. What we experience on the mountaintop, we continue to hold on to down in the valley, in the in the pits and in the ups and downs of life. All of that. That's important. And that's what we need to do. That's what uh, Paul was telling Timothy when he talks about train yourself in godliness. That's what it's supposed to be. It's about consistently showing up, consistently putting in the work, consistently putting in the work so that not so that you can be saved again. No, you don't do it to get something. No, you do it because you have something. See, guys, the motivation is completely different. It is not our, our efforts in training ourselves in godliness does not come from this place where I need to earn God's blessings and I need to earn God's favor. No, you can't do that. That is not our motivation. You don't get the results like that. It's not our motivation you know, well, let me stop before that, because you know what happens when you do that? When you literally are training yourself in air quotes, godliness by doing all of these things in order to earn God's approval, you are literally selling for empty religious practices and rituals. It's empty. It's hollow. Now, I know we say the word religion, I say the word religion, and that kind of like bugs people because we tend to think, you know, and then we have those people that say, you know, well, I don't have a religion, I have a relationship with Jesus. Listen, okay, the Christian religion is a religion, and your relationship with Jesus is based off of faith and all that, which is a religion, so kind of chill out with that word, be careful how you use that word, all right, now it's, 
Your relationship is based on a kind of religion. Just being real with you. So, but with all of that, guys, the goal is not empty religious air quotes, you know, activity. No, it's engaging in the living God and having true religion, having true religion rooted in the truth. And so that's what we need to do because see, this church was not in the truth. Um, I kind of passed over. I only read one little section in chapter four when, when uh, Paul was telling Timothy, it was in verse seven, have nothing to do with pointless or silly myths. One translation says old wives tales. Actually, it was just kind of cool. Um, really, when you when you look at the whole letter, I mean, he's pretty consistent with this. He's saying these conversations you guys are having, he says they're pointless. They're myths. Uh, some of them are, are so concerned about genealogies and this and that. It's like, listen, bro. OK, that's cute and all, but that has nothing to do with following through, finding Jesus or following through nothing. It's fluff. Literally, like this church was full of fluff. And, and Paul actually used this word fruitless conversations. The what when he says fruitless, where else has Paul talked about fruit in other places? When he says the fruit of the spirit is the one we're supposed to have. Jesus actually says, hey, if you abide in me, you will produce much fruit. Right. For a tree to be able to produce fruit. What does a tree need to do? It needs to be rooted in good soil and have its roots deep in there, right? And to a, well, the roots need to be dug deep enough or connected to a source of life and source of water. And if the roots are rotten, the fruit is sick, sick fruit, a sick tree cannot produce healthy fruits. So here's saying, bro, your roots are off the roots. You guys are rooted, not in the truth. You guys are rooted in all of these weird things. And some of you guys, he literally says, look, some of y'all elders, he's talking to the fellas. There was some fellas in there that were literally saying, yo, all y'all do is talk. And you have, he tells Timothy, they talk and talk and talk and have no clue what they're talking about. Nothing. They don't know what they're saying. And then there was a bunch of ladies in there in this church. So you got the fellas on one side doing this and you got a group of ladies on the other side, just yakety yak yak, just talking all this nonsense. And it was empty. It was gossip. It was bitterness. It was this and that. It's like, look, all you guys, okay, everybody here, you guys are missing the point. You're missing the point. And this isn't it. This is not what Jesus died on the cross for. And so this fruitless conversations, we need to be done with it. And you know what? If Paul was alive today and if Paul was writing to Timothy, uh, you know, that had a church in 2021, I 100% believe that Paul would have added the word conspiracy theories to the equation. Listen, we got to be careful. I'm not, let me talk. Let me pause and talk to Christians for a minute. We got to be careful with some conspiracy theories and some, uh, let me, how do I, I don't know. It's a good word for it. Uh, propped up prophecies. Okay. We need to chillax with some of our stuff because you know what happens when we're out here, when we got some Christians out there spouting off the, this, this, this the Lord said, this is what's going to happen next tomorrow. And this is what's going to happen. And, 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 and no, I'm sorry. I know no shame in people who actually prophesy like that. I, I got brothers. I, I got people that I, you know, look up to that talk like that. So I'm just kind of being whatever. Sorry. Um, but the people who say God, God said, this is what's going to happen in X and X way. And it happens in, you know, whatever. And then it doesn't happen. You look silly. You, you kind of making us all look bad. Like, you know, to kind of quote Kevin Hart, we're not all looking good as a unit. All right. When we're doing this, when you spouting off, you're, you're saying a lot of stuff that you don't know what you're talking about. 
And so we got to be careful like that. I mean, there are, we got some leftists or let me say some conservative, let's say right-leaning Christians that have been saying a lot of prophecies about Donald Trump, a lot of prophecies about this, a lot has come true. Some of it is like, um, what you going to do now, bro? We got people on the left doing the same Christian, same thing, prophesying this, saying that some things come true, some others don't. And then, Okay. You are exposing your ignorance, okay? You, you so are. And see, that's the thing. We got to be careful when we just talk like this. And we the world then looks at us and we look silly. We look silly. We look crazy. And we are not offering them the truth. Now, am I saying God does not speak through people today through prophecies? Yes, he does. Do I believe that? Yes, he does. Uh, should we continue to prophesy? Yes. As long as it is always rooted in God's word. If we can point to this, hold on to this, you know, so many times I think we're, we, there's a lot of us that care more about people's prophecies than what God has already spoken. And then you got an issue there. That's a problem. Okay. If, if you're going around and, and you're kind of looking for the next, you know, hottest prophet out there, who's going to call the shot next. And, and you want to know what is God going to do? Cool. All right. Fine. But listen, if you are more concerned with what God is going to do and what God is going to say compared to what he's already done and what he's already said, you got a problem. Okay. You, you got to balance that out. All right. You got to balance that out. And so do I believe that God speaks? Yes. But we have to, when we speak, we have to be cautious when we speak um, about God for God. And when you hear somebody saying that, listen, also, chill out. People are, you know, human beings are human beings. Okay. People are people, you know, all prophets. And when God speaks to us, it has to go through the filter of our soul, the filter of our mind and our own, you know, biases and prejudices or, you know, in regarding to what we already assume and think. And, and so that we have to be careful with that. So I always recommend, highly recommend when somebody says anything about, Hey, God said, this is going to happen. You can hold it. You can believe in it, but hold it with an open hand. And, you know, just kind of be cautious. You know, I'm always careful with that because I don't want to presume anything. And again, kind of come off like that. Now, to me, that's not I'm not being um, that's not a lack of faith thing. That's actually a kind of the opposite side, because I know that we will all be judged by words that we will say. And so 100 percent, I'm just being cautious. If, if I feel like God told me, hey, this is going to happen. Uh, trust me, if I know God told me, I'm going to say it. Because I will be judged by what I did say and what I didn't say. And then vice versa. So um, that's just something to always be cautious with, guys. In the end, what matters is human beings will always fail you. God will not fail you. Okay? That's something we need to hold on to. But we need to make sure, hey, we're not caught up in all these fluff stuff or conspiracy theories, which is such a black hole that if you fall into, sometimes it's kind of hard to get out of. And so we need to balance all of it. We need to make sure we are all rooted and grounded in the truth. And that's what Paul was trying to tell Timothy. Listen, should we have these kind of conversations? I'm not telling you we shouldn't. I don't think Paul, in essence, was saying, you know, don't talk about anything that isn't. No, all of it has to be rooted in God's truth. So when somebody talks about this, okay, remember, we want to have fruitful conversations, not fruitless. So if somebody talks about some kind of conspiracy theory that's happening in the world today and this and that, you know, it's, you got a right wing conspiracy, you got a left wing conspiracy, whatever else you want to talk about, you know, this, that, whatever, demonic conspiracy. 
you got to be rooted in the word of God. You got to be rooted in God's truth and making sure that no matter what conversation you guys are having, we are speaking the truth in love, sprinkled with grace, and we are not trying to go off the deep end, you know, that we are anchored and putting our faith. That's honestly the, the key word, actually, if we can just kind of go there. We're not putting our faith in mankind. We're not putting our faith in all these random things. We are putting our faith in God in the truth. So let me just encourage you with that when it comes to all these kind of conversations. All right. So that's why we need to be trained in godliness, in the ways of God, in his truth. That's how we do it. Trained in his word, trained in the truth so that we can continue to know God's word, know his ways, know his heart and be able to fulfill his will. Now, I gave a warning, though. I said this in passing in the sermon and I wanted to kind of really settle in a little bit more and let this part marinate. OK, if you are not training yourself in godliness, you will find yourself being trained in worldliness. Okay. I said it in passing, but I didn't have enough time to break that one down. I mean it. If you are not trained, if you're not intentionally training yourself in godliness, you will find yourself unintentionally being trained in worldliness. That is truth. All right. That's truth. It's like same thing. Listen, if here's common sense. If you are not living a healthy lifestyle, you are automatically going to become unhealthy. All right. You are going to develop unhealthy habits. That's truth. Same thing that works physically works spiritually. This is something that matters. And it has to be every day. Training in godliness is not, you know, going to church once a week. That's not it. Or listening to one sermon a week or even like a Bible, one Bible verse a day. It's not training in godliness is literally allowing the love of God, the presence of God to train us, to transform us, to become more like Jesus. Listen, Jesus called his followers disciples, a disciple. Literally, the word disciple means a learner. In fact, you can kind of extend that a little bit to be a disciple of Jesus means that we are called to be lifelong learners lifelong learners. We can continue to pursue Christ, pursue the truth and find things and aspects of who he is that we didn't see before. All right. And so that's the maturation. That is, that is the growth that we see that when we keep going in and we are called to be lifelong learners, we can continually from now to all eternity gleam from the beautiful wisdom and presence and character and nature of God. That is what we're supposed to be. Disciples are lifelong learners, but a disciple also has that root word discipline. Okay. Now discipline means God can bring discipline on you, which I've been preaching on and saying a little bit lately that if you're out of bounds, God will discipline you. If you are a believer in Christ Jesus, if you're a son and daughter of God, he will discipline you out of love. A good parent disciplines their children when they're developing bad habits. Why? Because listen, if the parent doesn't discipline the child, the state will eventually discipline the child being real on that one. If you don't learn discipline inside the home, oh, somebody's going to have, somebody's going to end up disciplining you outside of the home. And so this is important. This is important. And God does it out of love. If parents discipline their children, why? So they can learn self-discipline. So they can literally catch themselves before they say, before they do and say, no, I don't want to do that because that's wrong. Not because of what might happen to me, I might get in trouble. No, because they realize, no, this is wrong. That's self-discipline. Parents discipline their children so that the children can develop self-discipline. 
God, our Heavenly Father, disciplines us so that we can have self-control. That's a fruit of the Spirit. By the way, we can't do it in our own strength. God helps us. It's a fruit of the Spirit that produces self-control. But if you want to develop the fruit, you got to develop the roots. If you want to develop the fruit, you got to develop the roots, and the roots are in God right there. And that's important, guys, because if we are not intentionally training ourselves in worldliness, and sorry, in godliness, we will unintentionally be trained in worldliness. That was ha- that's what was happening in this church. That's what happens to us. Listen, we got to make sure that we're always learning, always growing, because again, if not, if we're out of bounds, God will discipline us in order so that we can develop as his disciples, discipline, self-discipline, so we can be disciplined to think like, act like, love like Jesus. Listen, <laughs> when you look at Christian uh, Christians, non-Christians, all right, atheists, there's a lot of non-Christians out there who love them some Jesus, who love them Jesus. And I'm like, hey, Jesus is pretty, I'm cool with Jesus, you know, I'm not cool with, I'm not cool with his followers, right? I love Jesus, but I'm, I don't love his followers. I'm going to call flag on the play. I'm going to call flag on the play. Because if Jesus was really real and really here, let me just say that I believe he's real. If Jesus was really out there, involved, alive today, like you and I talking and doing stuff, trust me, people wouldn't be loving Jesus because when he was here, um, they loved him for a little bit and eventually they uh, they sacrificed that guy, right? Eventually they killed him. So uh, trust me, I call flag on the play when they say, I love Jesus, but I don't love his followers. No, 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 no. You would have hated him too. Just the same as you don't like his true followers today. But you that's the point. Discipline to de- in order to develop self-discipline, because listen, if you're not going to do it, you are going to be disciplined yourself by the world. Okay. It's called train or be trained. Uh, One of the most interesting things that I've seen growing in uh, university circles, which is a cool, I'm I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but it's can be dangerous in the wrong hands. It's this growing, um, growing movement in a study of uh, something called behavioral studies. Behavioral studies is really interesting. It's a, again, just a study on how people behave. What are, you know, how do people respond to words and images, um, you know, different things. That's what it is. It is. It is the study of how people behave, but it is also the study of how to manipulate behavior to a certain extent. That's kind of like the end result, because when you learn to understand how, how people react to things, then it's like you get to learn, okay, well, if people respond and react in this way, then I need to kind of package what I want to do or say in this way so that people can go along with it. And this is where we get this concept of um, we have very uh, elites and intellectuals that are described as choice architects, choice architects, because they know how people behave. And if if we want to manipulate behavior, then we need to do things in certain ways so that people are willing to go along. And we still give people the right to choose, but we provide the options. Think, look at how crazy that is. There's literally people who say, look, we'll give people the right to choose. And so they feel like they are exercising free will. But in reality, the choices have already been predetermined. And each choice kind of leads down a certain path. I don't know if you've ever read a book where it was, it was kind of cool. It's like, choose your own journey. Have you ever read one of those books? Uh, you know, you, you get to a point and says, okay, do you want him to, should the person do this or do that? And then based on your choice, 
you go to a certain page of the book and then you kind of go there. Right. And so you get to do that. There was a Netflix show that kind of did that. And there's shows on Netflix and shows on, on TV that you can do that where do you want him to do this or that? And based on your decision, then something happens. And that's the story you get. Well, yes. Were you free to choose what the character was going to do next? Yes. But you weren't totally free. You were given predetermined options that was going to all lead to a predetermined conclusion. Listen, there are people in the world that are like that. Okay. There are people in politics, in government, in media, in social media, right? I mean, we, we see this right now. This is why fake news is called fake news is because there are certain things that are done in order to manipulate thoughts and actions. Why? To get you to behave a kind of way. They want you to believe something. And if you can believe it with all of your heart, now they can manipulate your behavior. That's it. Okay, that's what happens. They aim for your heart in order to control your mind. The world works that way. Why? Because that is how demons work. That is how the devil works. And let me be real. That's how God works too. God aims for your heart so that he can transform your mind. Actually, I just gave you guys a little bit of a little pre-taste, a little appetizer of my next sermon that's going to be this coming Sunday. Okay, but let me come back to this. This is why it's so important to train or be trained. Train or be trained because though we got human beings that are doing this. We got human beings that are trying to manipulate behavior by offering choices. Demons do the same thing. This is why, they, they, you know, if, if we're not cautious with the truth, they will give us a lie and they will say, listen, oh, what you need to do is this or that and this or that. And they make it seem like we're still in charge, like we're in control of our lives. Yeah, you're not in control of the decisions of the choices that you were presented with. And you don't realize it. You think you're free, but you are a more of a slave than you realize. This is what's so important, guys. None of us are purely independent. None of us are. We are all influenced by something externally. And so if we're not being influenced by God, we are being influenced by the opposite side. And we need to be careful. We need to be careful with those things because not only when you, when you begin to limit choices, it's very easy then to limit voices. If you, if you can limit people's choices, it's a lot easier to limit their voices. And that's where uh, this guy, oh man, I, I, I saw his name. I missed it. Google it. I want y'all to check it out. But this, uh, this guy that I recently heard in a lot of different ways, and I've, I've heard this come up uh, a lot, especially recently, was this idea by this some individuals that was presented with a lot of, you know, Pulitzer Prizes and stuff. Uh, he's Jewish. He's considered one of the top, if not the top, most well-respected uh, historians of the Holocaust and of Jewish history. And his last name is Black. And he talks about how the way that the Germans would create these kind of um, ghettos for the Jews, where they would kind of hound people, you know, round people up and, and have them in these places, build these walls up, separating them from the rest of their society and say, listen, yeah, y'all do what you want to do, live what you want to say, say what you want, whatever, but you're in there and you're kind of like in this echo chamber. And so you're free to live the way you want to, but not really because they're all encased in a wall. 
you know, in this forced ghettoization. Um, and we're seeing right now, and this, this individual black talks about how we have to be cautious and careful because it is so easy to create digital ghettos where you create these algorithms that act as firewalls that limit people's voices. Hey, Hey, say what you want to say, do what you want to do, live up, but listen, but your voice isn't going to be reached by people outside your circle. And then now you have these digital echo chambers that you're kind of like what the old phrase is like, it's the pastor preaching to the choir, right? It, that's, that's what it is. And listen, see, that's, that's the world that we live in is this isolation of choice, limitation of choices, isolation of voices in order to manipulate and guide people along a certain path. The enemy does that all the time. This is why, this is why demons and the devil want us to be outside and not involved in the truth of God, because if we're not rooted in the truth of God, you and I are just going to be like, you know, just a, a raft in the ocean, just kind of floating rather than a ship that's anchored into the ground. And so we need to really be really careful, guys. This is why we need to develop daily habits, daily habits, being trained in godliness. I talked about this is not a once a once a week kind of a thing. It's not even an other every other day kind of a thing. Listen, this is an everyday kind of a thing because you know why we have to be trained in godliness because there is a spiritual war that is constantly raging 24 seven. And it's been waging since the beginning of time, since Adam and Eve took from that fruit. There is a spiritual war that has been waging from here until Jesus returns. And so we need to train in godliness in order to fight the good fight that is waging right now. Listen, you didn't ask for this. Okay. You didn't ask for it, but you know what? You're born in it and you got to choose train or be trained fight. All right. Or be defeated. That's the important thing that we need to do. And so these daily habits are important. So our church is going through right now 21 days of prayer and fasting, which for us, it's saying, look, for 21 days, let's develop these habits. Some of us are doing things that maybe we're not as consistent on. Well, for 21 days, let's focus on learning to develop these habits. So hopefully, here's the goal, guys, is these temporary habits or these temporary measures can lead to becoming second nature. So what we're trying to do, and that's why I encourage you, if you haven't uh, gone through a fast or some kind of a dedication there, there's so many great books and things you can look into. I encourage you to check it out. But the reason why we do it is so that we can begin to develop certain new habits that will eventually become second nature. Why? So that our nature can change. That's why we develop certain habits, spiritual habits, godly habits that hopefully will become second nature so that our nature can change so that our actions, our attitudes, our behavior, our conduct, our character can look more like Jesus more and more every single day. That's what matters. And so these can be involved, you know, you, that's called, you know, praying God's word, memorizing God's word, you know, li, digging in, you know, studying, uh, doing it not just individually, which matters, do it corporately with other people, being encouraged, being you know, sometimes you kind of have to be with other people. So that way you're not kind of going down a rabbit trail and some be like, yeah, yeah, you kind of out of bounds, bro. You got to bring it back this way. That, that matters. That's super, super important. But these are things that we have to do because look, you and I are all willing to do things for the things that we want. You know, you and I have time for the things we want to have time for. Let me be real, right? You know, I'm not lying. We all have time for the things that we want to have time for. I used to say, I used to make that excuse all the time. 
I just don't got enough time to do that. I don't got enough time to do that. And then I got checked. I'm like, uh, you always have time for the things you want to have time for. So the problem wasn't that I was too busy. The problem is that I didn't care enough. I didn't care to do certain things. And guys, that's the same thing for us. If you're like, well, I don't got time to read the Bible. I don't got time to spend time with God. I don't got time for this. I can guarantee you. Let me sit down with you. Let's kind of replay the last 24 hours, kind of rewind it. And we can find some time. We can find some time that you wasted. We can find some idle time that I'm like, look, this is the trade-off that you made. (laughs) And if we're willing to do certain things, look, if we're willing, let's say you want to go out, uh, go work out, right? If you're willing to put that kind of stress on your body in order to look good, Why can't we do the stressful thing of studying, not just reading, but studying God's word, memorizing God's word so that we can get better benefits, right? That's a stress. Let's do that. You know, if we're willing to get up early, look, my family, sometimes we go to Disney, like we live in Tampa. And so, you know, we're not that far off. Sometimes we make adjustments and we rearrange our schedule and we get up early to go to Disney. If you and I are willing to get up early in the morning to go fishing, to go working out, to go do this, to go do that. How many times I know when when the World Cup was always on, you know, especially in certain part of the world, uh, there would be times when the U.S. would play and I would want to watch them. It was like 3 a.m. And I would get up at 3 a.m. to watch that. Some of us are willing to get up early to do things. Some of us are willing to stay up all night, right, and do what we want to do, right? Party all night, do this, do that. Look, we decide and we're willing to be up all night to party, but be all night, you know, to be all, be up all night to pray. Oh, no, 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 I ain't got time for that. So you got time to be up all night and party, but you don't have time to be up all night to pray. See, the issue is not that you don't got time. The issue is you don't care. You just don't care. And like, I'll be honest, maybe you don't care because you don't appreciate and you don't see the true benefit and value of what it is. Because if you did, trust me, your decision would be different. And so, guys, if we're willing to do certain things, we need to be willing to do the most important things to develop the right kind of discipline. I wish I, I don't, I'm going to quote somebody, but I don't know who said it. So my bad, but I didn't come up with this. I heard someone say that there is a difference between casting out demons and discipling your flesh. You cannot cast out your flesh and disciple your demons. Let me bring that up. All right, so check it out. Here's what I'm saying. God's word says that we have authority in Christ Jesus by the living God, by Jesus himself, through the Holy Spirit, in order to bind and cast out demons. And casting out demons is, is not kind of like the movies kind of thing. Sometimes it is. But it's a little bit more than that. It literally, it's we have the authority to be able to verbally and spiritually fight and, and come against what the demonic realms are doing. And we, in the same way that Jesus would speak and undo things, and he would bind a spirit of sickness or bind a spirit of whatever, fill in the blank, and cast them out, literally saying, yo, I'm kicking you out of here, taking you by the scruff of your demonic neck, and you're gone, all right? That's what casting demons out does. And we can do that in Christ Jesus, and we can remove that and actually fight spiritually in those ways. And then we're also called to, though, disciple our flesh. That's what Paul is telling him to do right now. Paul is telling Timothy, disciple your flesh. How do you disciple your flesh? Well, first off, what's the flesh? The flesh is everything in you that doesn't want to do what God wants you to do. That's the flesh. The flesh wants to do everything that is anti-God. How do we disciple the flesh? By living by the Spirit. You can't disciple your flesh if you're starving your spirit. Starving your spirit is 
removing yourself from God, his truth, spending time with him. But when you train yourself in godliness, what are you doing? You are literally allowing your spirit to connect to the Holy Spirit. You're learning to live by the spirit so that he is made strong in your weakness. And when you are feeding your spirit truth, when you're feeding your spirit through praise, worship inside of God's presence, when you when you're able to walk in the power of the spirit, you can actually now bring down and discipline your flesh and say, uh, no, I take all, I take this thought right now, captive in Jesus name. And I take, and you can actually do that when your spirit is there. You can learn to disciple and discipline your thinking, discipline your actions and say, no, I choose to say no to this. By the way, that's fasting. Fasting is like low key doing that learning to fast. Let's say food, right? There's certain foods that I'm fasting on and foods that I like to eat every day. So every time, why am I fasting? Every time I go to eat that food and I'm like, no, that's right. No, I'm not going to eat that food. I am disciplining, not my spirit. I'm disciplining my flesh because if I can discipline my flesh to not eat this food that I love to eat, right? Not because it's sinful. It's because I want to learn to say yes to Jesus more. The more you say no to your flesh, you're saying yes to the spirit. And that's how you grow in the spirit. And so, guys, that's an important thing. I'm, I'm willing to take an L for 21 days and not eat certain foods so that I can discipline my flesh so that, you know what? When true temptation comes, forget the temptation of, oh, dessert, right? That's one of the things is like sweets and midnight snacks, right? Look, that's fleshy stuff. That's worldly stuff. Eventually, the enemy is going to really bring a temptation to, yo, think about, think about what that person just said to you. And then you just kind of grow into anger or bitterness. Yeah, man, forget that guy. And you hold now resentment and all these things. See, when true temptation comes, I was like, hey, hey, hey you seeing her, bro? Why don't you look that way? Hey, bro, no one's looking. Why don't you go and do what you... Every time the enemy comes up with whatever temptation is going to come my way, right? If I'm learning to discipline myself in the little things, in the spirit, when the real, when the time comes, I'm ready for that. Guys, that's why athletes train. Why do athletes practice so much? And by the way, if you know, if you know a true athlete, you know that, you know, that they know I'm telling the truth. I know what I'm talking about. True athletes, you know what they do at practice? They practice the fundamentals, the basics. You know how Michael Jordan all the time would just this one thing. I'm just going to practice this one free throw like a thousand times. I'm going to practice this one jumper a million times, right? Everybody, every true great athlete does the simple things over and over and over and over and over again. That's why when you see, you know, look at Mahomes and look at all these guys that when they do something on the field, oh my gosh, look at that one-handed catch. Look at that shot. Look at that jump. Look at that thing he just did. How did he do that? Easy. Because he's been doing it over and over. She's been doing it over and over and over again. Every day. It's those little things that no one sought. All those reps came in handy when the moment came. Listen, guys, training yourself in godliness is important because if not, you're going to fall for worldliness. I said it because when the temptation comes, you're so used to saying yes to your flesh and all the little things. You're going to say yes to your flesh and the big things because that's the habit you created. You created a habit of not living in the spirit. You've created a habit of living in the flesh. And so when it comes down to it and the enemy shows up, you are no match. Can't expect God to bail you out at that point. 
This is what I meant a minute ago. To say it's one thing to cast out a demon and disciple your flesh, but it doesn't work the other way. Sometimes some of us just want to cast out our flesh and rebuke our flesh, and we're going to try to disciple our demons, and it doesn't work that way. Okay? It doesn't work that way. You got to put in the work, and you got to allow God to do the work in you, because if not, you and I can't fight the good fight. Paul tells Timothy in that letter, 1 Timothy says, fight the good fight of faith. Listen, everybody in this church was fighting with each other about this and that and arguing about it or whatever, constantly fighting. He said, no, 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 no. Listen, yes, I want you to fight, but you got to fight the good fight. You can't fight the wrong fight towards each other in fighting. No, that's the wrong fight. The good fight is directed to the true enemy, which is not each other. It's they're the devil, demons, the ways of this world. That is our true enemy. And if we are called to fight the good fight, if you want to fight the good fight, you got to train yourself in the good things, godliness. You train yourself in godliness in order to fight the good fight so you don't end up getting caught up fighting the wrong fight. Okay, so this is how we learn to fight well. Okay, doing this in this way, because listen, I'm telling you, we look at everything that's happening on social media. Let's just kind of be real right now. Look at the way social media is. Look at the way people are. Look at how, I mean, polarized, polarized and how pitted against Americans are towards each other right now. It's crazy. I mean, literally, we are living in a cold civil war. Uh, We are. We are living in a cold civil war that just seems to be getting a little bit more intense. The fires seem to be a little hotter and hotter. And why? Well, I believe that the spiritual war that is raging right now is actually ramping up so much that the spiritual war is actually beginning to spill out into the physical realm. The spiritual war that is happening in the spiritual realm is starting, is growing so much, it is spilling over into the physical realm. I believe that. And so we need to be careful not to get caught up in just fighting good and, you know, you know, having a a good argument or which, listen, we are called to fight the good fight, not just any fight, fight the good fight of faith. And you can only fight the good fight of faith in faith in Jesus. Training ourselves in godliness, guys, you can't do it on your own. It is only done by your reliance on God. I actually saw a tweet. I think it was Danny Goki who said it. Uh, he says, God does not help those who help themselves. Because that's pointless. That's a really stupid quote if you think about it. God helps those who help themselves. If you can help yourself, why do you need God to help you? Just whatever. God doesn't help those who help themselves. God helps those who humble themselves. That's some truth right there. You train yourself in godliness when you surrender to your personal trainer called the Holy Spirit and say, all right, Holy Spirit, you say do this, help me do it. You say live this way, help me live it. He's our spotter. The Holy Spirit is your spotter where you're, he, you can't lift this weight. You can't. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, he will empower you to do that. So guys, that I want to challenge you. That's the habit you need to develop. So to wrap up. Let me kind of bring that bottom line that I shared on Sunday. The daily habit that you and I need to have is to learn to inhabit the love of God. It's not about how many Bible verses did you read today. It's not how much Bible reading time did you get in. It's listen, did you get, did you allow the, the Bible to get into you, right? It's not about how much time did you spend praying and talking to Jesus. It's how much time did you spend listening to what he had to say? How much time do you just 
enjoy him. Inhabit his love. Enjoy, reflect, be grateful for all that God has done and all that God is doing and all that he says he will do. Inhabit. That word inhabit, both in the Greek and the, well, the Greek word, I'm sorry, the Hebrew word that I saw, inhabit, means to make himself at home, to kind of sit down as to inhabit, to persevere, to endure, to abide. The same thing that I said earlier, Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. And what does he say? If you abide in my words, if you abide in the truth, you will produce much flesh. Apart from me, no fruit, no flesh. I totally quoted that wrong. Let me say it again. Abide from me, abide in me and I in you and in the truth and you will produce much fruit. There it is. You'll produce much fruit if you abide in me, if you inhabit my word and you let my word inhabit you, you allow it to fill you and to transform you. I'm going to produce fruit in you. But apart from me, you're going to be fruitless. Well, that's the word inhabit. And in Psalms 22, three, it actually says that God inhabits, same word, the praises of his people. When we humbly in love acknowledge and praise God with our hearts and minds, when we surrender our lives to him, he inhabits those praises. God inhabits our praises as we inhabit his presence. He inhabits our praises as we inhabit his presence. And that word have inhabit, habitat, right? To make yourself at home is to rest, settle in, knowing that you are home. That feeling, you are home, at home already with God in Christ, okay? Heaven is not just some physical destination in some place. Heaven is a place, but heaven is a person, it's Jesus. And you need to have your home in him. You need to. So I'm gonna challenge you guys, if you haven't developed any of these habits, I'm challenging you to do it now. Inhabit the love of God is the most important thing. In fact, let me just read one verse here. This is the whole point that, that Paul is trying to make Timothy. First Timothy chapter one, verse five, he says, now the goal of my instruction, the goal of all instruction that I've been telling you and everything else and about to do is this. The goal of our instruction is love. See? And agape is the love of God. The goal of our instruction, the goal of being training for godliness, the goal of doing all these things is the love of God that comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. And see, that's, that's where it comes from. When you have sincere faith, and you know what sincere faith means? Trusting in God to the point of obedience. Sincere faith means trusting in God to the point that you try. Trust, and it's a trust that leads you to try. That's what sincere faith is. When you have sincere faith in God and that trust leads you to try, God gives you a clean and a clear conscious, the ability to discern God's way and not God's way. And when you develop that good consciousness, God develops a pure heart. The more you walk in this consciousness, the more you walk in the ways of God, he produces a new heart, a pure heart in you, which then all is comes from and you begin to reflect the very again, love of God. It's him, the love of God is what leads us to have sincere faith. The love of God, of Jesus Christ, is what leads us to trust in him. It is his love that moves us to try. It is his love that cleans up and clears our conscience and gives us a good one. It is his love that guides us and leads us to do the right and to do instead of not the wrong. It is the love of Jesus that produces a pure heart in us. 
And the pure our heart is, the more we look like, act like, talk like, think like Jesus. And the reason why we need to do that is so when people look to us, interact with us, they say, wait, something's, there's something more to you. There's something more to that. And it's like, you're right. His name is Jesus. See, that's the point, guys. We look like, act like Jesus more and more and more. Not so people can be, wow, you're great. It's so that when they look to us, we say, nah, let me tell you about a God who's great. And what the great thing that he did for us on the cross. Listen, we have a choice. Jesus says, talking about limited choices and all that stuff. And we have a voice. God says, there's only one way. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There were no choices aside until Jesus offered one way. You could be upset that the fact that there's only one way. I'm grateful that there is a way because there was no way prior. And we need to use our voice to call on the name of Jesus. And if you did that once, if you haven't done it, do it now. Don't put that off until tomorrow. And if you have, keep it up. Keep calling on the name of Jesus. Train yourself, inhabit the love of God until the love of God transforms you.